0: Um, I'm super, super honored to be here with you. Um, I, I hold your pastor in high esteem. Um, what a beautiful pastor you have. I'm so grateful to have met him and to have hung out with him, and, and I'm grateful to be here with you. Um, so here's how it's going to go, right? We're going we're gonna to have this weekend together, and we're going to, um, and again, I'm going to be like the crazy Puerto Rican relative that you... Uh, you're glad to only see once a year (laughs) and um, and that's gonna be okay Uh, but it's we come from two different some of us come from a lot of us come from two different cultures I grew up as a Puerto Rican from Brooklyn grew up in a super super poor super super dysfunctional uh, environment and so some of my stories might not be your stories but they're my stories and I pray that we can look to identify and and connect with one another rather than compare, because I don't think that would help. And secondly, we're gonna be talking about some sensitive issues. So I'm gonna try to get vulnerable. And um, by the way, if anybody says that they ever are gonna get vulnerable with you emotionally, like speak, share, confess or anything like that, it's a sacred thing. That's a good thing to remember when you're in your groups. When you're in your groups and vulnerability starts to happen, be open, be open. It's a sacred thing. So, again, my name is Edwin Cologne. I am married to Liz Cologne. We've been together for 27 years. 27 years. Who here is not 27 years old? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how old I am. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So, because I was, I was looking to Aaron. I was going to say before he, uh, Pastor Aaron, before he got up. I was like, I thought this was your church. I didn't know this was your youth retreat. And I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, no, it's, this is the church. Oh, okay. I'll pray for you then because, yeesh, you guys are young. Yeah, so I'm super old, 45. Um, I got five children. Um, yeah, five. We don't have a TV at home. Uh, so five kids. Edwin, who's 26. <laughs> who's not 26? I like, yeah, there you go. My son is older than y'all. And so... Um, My son uh, Edwin who's 26 uh, and then I have my daughter Serenity who's 20 and then Lydia, Grace and little baby We call him baby David even though he's five years old. He's the baby of the family and uh, my story is simple Um, I Wanted nothing to do with Jesus Jesus was literally the last option. He was the last house on the block And he saved me By the way, he saved me without my permission he came himself. He came down, interrupted my miserable life. I was, uh, my father left my house when I was like 11 years old, and that's when I started to uh, smoke cigarettes and drink. By the time I was 12, 12. I was smoking weed. By the time I was 13, I was doing coke, doing breaking and enterings, stealing cars back when you can do so. And um, it's just really bad really bad series of decisions. The last grade I graduated up until two years ago was the sixth grade. Um, and I just made a lot of bad decisions, enough that by the time I was 17, <laughs> who's not 17 yet? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, By the time I was 17, um, I found myself in an anonymous program because I needed help because I had made so many bad decisions. My family didn't want me in the house. I was a mess, I was a mess. So I thought that the thing that could fix me was a girl. So I got with my wife and you know, that worked out so well Um, because it never, like if you think something else, if you think something external to you will fix the internal problem, you're probably uh, on the wrong path. Well, got my wife, we had a kid and just kept on going from there, and I was still miserable. And, um, and again, Jesus interrupted my miserable life and gave me himself, and I've never, ever, ever gotten over it. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I'm going to pray, and um, we're going to ask Jesus to do something miraculous in our hearts, to do what we can't do, to turn our stone hearts to, to flesh to turn our hearts in deep affection for him and to seek his face. Um, So would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, you know, you know, there's no way I deserve to be up here to speak except for Jesus. And so Lord, would you do Powerful things in my heart have your way in our time together. That everybody here would sense your loving spirit moving in our hearts, drawing us to yourself, giving us a deeper longing, stirring our affections for you. Father, some of us here, we're up here and we're, we got our mask on and everything is fine and nothing's wrong and inside we're falling apart. Lord, would you be there for us? Help us to see and savor Jesus, to seek your face, to know that you are better than our reputation. Lord, there are those who are here who are married and who are just ready to call it quits. Would you speak deeply into our souls, reminding us of your love and how you married the church and undeserving people. And Lord, there are some here who are single and who are ready to do things that are gonna scar their souls for a long, long time. Lord, would you wake us up and help us to find our identity not in the ones that love us, but in the one who loved us perfectly. And so move, God. We desperately need you. Move in our relationships, in our affections for you. And our honesty with one another, for we do pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. So, it was dark. I was in uh, the corner of the house. It was late at night, and I was clicking on things that I shouldn't have been clicking on. I told you I got with my wife at seventeen, so I was pretty young, and we moved in right after that. And so it was about. 18, 19, 20, I can't remember. No, I was older than that because I was in Christ. So I was like probably 23, 24, 25, around there. And I was clicking on things that were hurting me. That would, I wouldn't call it hurt at the time. At the time, I would call it necessary. I would call it pleasurable. But I was clicking on those things. And I didn't want to tell anybody that I had an issue with the stuff that I clicked on. And I didn't want to tell anybody that I needed any help. And in the middle of my clicking on all this stuff, my wife woke up and walked in. I hurt her so bad that day. I discovered that day that when I struggle with stuff, and I struggle with it on my own, and I don't ask for others to help, I find out that my level of strength hurts people around me. It devastates those around me, and it leaves scars that maybe last forever. I'm wondering if I'm the only guy in this room who has tried to act like he has it all together, like he doesn't need any help, Like there's nothing wrong with me, there's no sin that I struggle with, there's no issue that I deal with. I wonder if I'm the only one here who's ever tried to act like he has it all together only to be found out and that to hurt the people that he loves around him. I mean, it can happen. It happens when, right, when when you're in school and you go, no, 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 I don't need anybody's help. And you find yourself uh, taking a, a kind of a medication that keeps you up so that you could keep your studies up and then that flows into an extreme addiction that seems out of control maybe maybe that's you i don't know maybe maybe you're like me and you had a marriage that's on the rocks but you went to a beautiful beautiful congregation like this one and everybody would ask so How are you doing and the response was always the same fine just fine everything's fine and the pain that that could cause the beautiful people that are around you that love you that don't know the pain that your marriage is in maybe maybe just maybe somebody here you're single and you've kept a good boundaries between you and the person that you're dating or the person that you're potentially going to date. And you're about ready to break those boundaries and you're gonna hurt yourself and others. See, the fact is, is that there's something inside all of us, doesn't matter what culture you come from, there's something inside of us that wants us to look and be strong. Look and be competent. There's something inside of me that makes me want you to think more of me than I actually am, doesn't want you to see how weak and frail and broken and and sinful as I actually am. And so this weekend, what we want to do is we want to bring all that out. We just want to say, listen, listen, listen. Frontin ain't easy, as they used to say when I was growing up. I don't know if y'all say that anymore. Say, <laughs> frontin ain't easy. In other words, putting on masks is hard work. The fact is, is that when we come to Christ, we come to one who, who knows all things and couldn't think of a better way to save us than to die for us. That's how dire our situation is. You know you're in a bad spot when the only way that you could get out of the pickle that you're in is that if somebody has to die for you. And so we come to a place like that, a church that admits that there's no hope for us but in Christ and not allow that to really influence the way we interact with one another, to keep each other at arm's distance. You're going to want to come, you're going to, you're going to be glad that you came. And let me tell you why, a couple of reasons. And it's important that you pay attention as we go through um, these talks and as you go with your small groups and as you interact. This is so important because the fact is, is that you can be in a beautiful church like this that promises freedom and be imprisoned. You can be in a beautiful church that, that, like this that promises hope and be filled with despair. You can be in a church like this that promises intimacy and be as lonely as a man on an island. And so my desire for you is not that you would grow up in a culturally Christian environment, but that you would know and be known that, that the exilic church would be the church of the weak people. That exilic church would be the church of the broken. In fact, this whole weekend, all I want you to do is go for broke. Go for being devastated. Go for not having it all together. Go for broke. Go for being not knowing all the answers. Go for being, in, being honest and sincere with where you're at. Because God can't take us where he wants us to go if we don't Admit where we're at. And God will have us do that with each other. But you know, it's not the only temptation in this church or in my church to think that strength is the way, you know, to to put on the best face, to have strength, to be competent. That's been around since forever. God knows that throughout the years, his people have always wanted to behave in ways that make them look better than they actually are. And so he gives us this beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians. Corinthian church I I identify with uh, because they're a bunch of crazy people who are just doing their own thing and they're they're sort of uh, going contrary to the gospel and Paul is coming in. Paul, for those of you, I know uh, some of you are not like, you know, you didn't grow up with the Bible or anything like that. Paul is an apostle. He's a a sent one from God. And he shares shares these beautiful letters that we still have till this day. And he's instructing this beautiful little church that's going astray. He's instructing them. And the reason that they're going astray in this particular instance is that they're listening to people. They put on a pedestal people who have made it an issue or made it a habit of making themselves greater than they actually are. He actually calls them super apostles. That they would, have, that they would put on a face that they're doing better than they actually are. And the people are following them. And they're following them to their own destruction because that's not the walk in Christ. The walk in Christ, the way to go up is to go down. The walk in Christ is that the way to be free is to, is to be humble and broken. And so Paul, he's writing this letter, and he's trying to talk them out of this concept that you don't have to defend your reputation, that you don't have to have it all together, that you don't have to put on a face. He's, he's just arguing against that. And, he's, and he goes, in 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, we'll start with 7. And actually before this, because the, the, the thought is in verse 1 through 10, he, he goes like this. He goes, guys, let me tell you, and he's actually talking about himself. We know by the rest of the passage that he's talking about himself. He goes, I know a man who went to the third heaven, right, that, that saw things that nobody has ever seen before, saw visions. And so he was 16 years before that Paul had saw that. And he was explaining it to him at that point, only to illustrate that that is not the way. The way to walk in Christ is not to build our own reputation, but in fact to admit to God that we are as weak as we are. And so he goes on and he shares this beautiful vision that he's he's seen and that it's absolutely worthless. Because these other people who are talking about this, this idea of being super apostles or look at the incredible vision or look at how well I have it all together. Because that wasn't the way to go. And so we see in verse 7, they get, we see where the apostle Paul is. He goes, therefore, since what I just told you is true, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me pause think about that for a second paul was given these incredible visions he was given these opportunities to see things that nobody else had saw and he was given something a thorn in the flesh a weakness we don't know what it is we don't know what he struggled with was it a physical ailment was it a relational ailment was it Uh, an issue of temptation. What was it? We don't know. He says, though, that he was given that to him to torment me. Why? To keep me from becoming conceited. To keep me from resting on my reputation and the things that I'd seen. Three times I pleaded with the Lord I love that phrase, three times. This means that Paul, over and over and over again, if if we were gonna say this today, we would go over and over and over, I went to God to take it away. It's not literally three times, it's over and over, I kept on going back to God. Surely this is not of you. Surely you don't want this in my life. Surely you want this taken away from me because this kind of pain, this kind of hurt, again, is it relational hurt? We don't know. Is it physical hurt? We don't know. Is it temptation with sin? We don't know. But the kind of anguish that he, was going, uh, that he was living with, he was going back to God and going, God, surely you don't want me to live with this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take, away, take it away from me. But he said to me, that's God. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I don't know if you've ever prayed about something that you wanted removed, but that's kind of the last thing you want to hear. You don't want to hear, my grace is sufficient for you. And yet this is what God offers. That to the broken, God gives a gift. If you've got it all together, you don't get this gift. If your marriage is just fine and you don't need any help, you don't get this gift. If your reputation means more to you than walking, you don't get this gift. It's this incredible passage that it's impossible. If you meditate on it, it'll it'll undo you. It says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, wrestles against the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Those who don't who don't need God's help, God doesn't help. Isn't that crazy? Those who go, God, I don't need your help. I don't all right. Do the best you can. But he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's. Paul says the impossible thing. After God won't take away his weakness, he says, since that's true, I'll boast about it because God is going gonna to be glorified within the context of my weakness. I have a friend, he's a pastor in in another state, and I met him, and I was speaking at his church, and the Lord wanted me to share with him, and something you have to know about me is that I'm a missionary, and uh, I'm a missionary to Brooklyn. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, but I'm also a missionary to Brooklyn, and I, I was going to his church for support, so this is not the guy to confess to. This is the guy to tell everything is going just fine. Would you please write a big old check to support the ministry that we're doing here? This is not the guy to confess to. And so I was with him and we were in his office. And you know when Jesus like, is telling you to do something, but you're convinced Jesus is crazy? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that's happened to me a lot. I'm like, have you, I wonder if you've ever done this. Have you ever told Jesus things that he doesn't know? I've done this all the time. I go to Jesus, I go, Jesus, you know how much we need this money. (laughs) Clearly you don't want me to share my weakness with this dude. Clearly. And it's like, and so, you know, I kept on telling Jesus things that he didn't know. If I tell him this, he's not going to invest in our ministry. This is a bad idea. Jesus goes, Ed, trust me. Nah, don't want to. Do you have another another suggestion? Because I don't want to do this. And he goes, no. And he presses on my heart to share with him. And so I just start confessing to him my struggles with lust and with clicking on things that I shouldn't. And he sits there and I talk to him for like 15 minutes. Now, 15 minutes is an eternity when you're confessing something that, you, I mean, he's going to throw me out of his office. Of course he's going to throw me out of his office. He's going to tell all the pastors around his state not to support my ministry. He's You know know what he told me? Me too. He said that nobody had ever confessed that to him. And that in turn, he never confessed that he struggled too. And in that moment, I understood what this verse meant. That in my weakness, God would be glorified. In my frailty, in my looking like a fool, God could be lifted up and celebrated and glorified. In my weakness, then I am strong. That, you know what? Yeah. This weekend, you have an opportunity. What would it look like if you stopped If you stopped faking it, if you stopped having it all together, what would it look like if you were weak and you let everybody here know it? What would it look like? Is that too much to bear? Is that scare you out of your mind? Let me tell you why it does the reason it does is because your identity is found more in who you think you, more in who you want to project yourself to be to others rather than what Jesus thinks about you. If you're like me, you're far more upset at other people finding out about your sin than you are about your sin. Like, I'm far more upset. Like, if you... I am, if, if I was in the mall or at Walmart and me and my wife got into an argument and you guys came up to me, in that moment, I would be far more upset that you saw me having an argument with my wife than the fact that I was having an argument with my wife. We love our precious reputation, but I'm telling you, freedom is found on the other side weakness freedom is found on the other side of brokenness you have to walk through that door there's freedom there and it's freedom for you so you have an opportunity during your groups tonight you're going to have groups and you're going to have quotes and questions that you're going to ask but i'm telling you god does his best work when we're broken before him and before one another so I want you to think about this question. I wrote it down. It's not in your, in your small groups. But as I'm talking now, what's coming up for you that you feel um, are secrets or weaknesses that you can't share? Like as I'm talking to you about sharing your weakness and going for broke, What's coming up that you go, oh, no, no, that, no. That, I am not, I didn't come up here for that. I came up here for the hoagies, maybe a little friendship. (laughs) But I didn't come up for all this. I get it. I get it, me too. What's that thing? Is there one person in that group? I don't know. One person, anyone that you could share. Here's here's a thought. Why don't you go to Jesus and go and confess to Jesus the truth about you? If, if I was going to confess in your place, here's what I would say, something like this, because I've I've made this confession more times than I like to admit. Jesus, here's the truth about me. I don't care at all what you think about me nearly as much as what they think about me that's the truth about me the fact is i rather have i'd rather grow my reputation this way than grow my reputation this way that's the truth about me and the truth about me let's just get honest with god the truth about me is that i'd rather appear to have it all together than let people know how broken and how frail i truly am See, that's the way we have. That's the way I have to come to God because for me, the only way. You know, when I think about glorifying God, I think about glorifying God like as the, like catching the Super Bowl pass, right? And then I catch it. It's an impossible pass, like the Giants did a few years ago. You remember this? The guy caught it on his helmet. It was an impossible pass, and he caught it, and the Giants won the Super Bowl. It was amazing. And, and so, like, in my dreams, glorifying God looks like, to me, catching that pass, and then somebody putting a mic, how did you feel? And, and going, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, <laughs> Jesus Christ, for giving me those sticky fingers. Or, or, like, the Grammys or something like that, and then, you know, my, my song wins the best song of the year, and then I go up and I just go, guys, you know, before I thank my producers, and my. I just want to thank Jesus Christ for giving me this amazing creativity. That's the way I think of when I think of glorifying God. Let me submit to you that glorifying God looks like admitting that you have a pornographic problem in front of 200 people that you've never met. It looks closer to that. And so I went first. It's your turn. And so this, this weekend, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about being vulnerable and being honest and ask Jesus to lead you. I don't want to put more pressure on you. I can be a car salesman and I don't want to do that. Go to Jesus and ask Jesus for brokenness and humility to share with people who love you anyway. And you go, no, no, no. If I shared this, they wouldn't love me. L- listen. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about what other people are going to think about you when they struggle with what they struggle with. You know, my mom, she went to this Pentecostal church, um, and she's a cigarette smoker. And this Pentecostal, Pentecostal church it had like eight hours. You think this service is long? You think I'm talking long? Ha! Eight-hour services. Eight-hour services. And she would, I would see that she was on edge because she just wanted a cigarette after this service, right? And so I, I remember looking in the, in the bus van, you know, they have the little bus vans. I remember looking in and looking at like, I don't know, there's like a dozen people, and like eight of them looked like they were all on edge, <laughs> like they all needed a cigarette. And I remember thinking to myself, I bet you, I bet you there's at least eight people on that bus that need a cigarette. And what joy they would find if they would just confess that to one another. And, and just, you know what? Here's a Newport, there's a Marlboro. Listen, let's talk about this one. <sighs> how, much, how much more freedom there is in Christ in that conversation than just hitting a tambourine for eight hours and never letting God touch those deep, sensitive places. So this weekend, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about vulnerability. And in your small group, I pray that you get vulnerable. Share the thing that you're afraid to Share. Go first in your group. Then we're going to talk about forgiveness, about forgiving those who have harmed you. And that is going to be emotional. Then we're going to talk about humility, what it's going to take for us to continue going forward and understanding that whenever I lay eyes on another sinner, I'm only seeing an illustration of my own heart. My prayer is that you wouldn't waste this opportunity. My prayer is that you would say, Jesus, you be made really, really powerful this weekend because I'm going to be made really, really weak. That's my prayer for you. Let me pray for you. Lord, you know, you know. You know how wretched and hypocritical. You know how broken I am. And so God, I just ask that in Jesus' name, you would do something really, really powerful. Help me be broken before you. Help these beautiful, beautiful people who are here to be broken before you. To recognize that there's no sin so deep that you're not deeper still. That their reputations amongst each other don't matter in the scheme of things. And that you love us even though you know even more about us than we do. God, would you give them freedom? Would you give them weakness? And that in that weakness, they might find you very, very strong. Do that for my friends, oh God. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.